0: Welcome to this episode of the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Lauren Feldhaus, who was previously a senior scrum master and an agile coach. Although she's now happily retired, Lauren and I work together at Assurance to help transform their software development team to embrace agile and lean principles. She's a tireless worker. She understands the big picture between the business and IT and truly cares about her customers and teammates. She was one of my favorites to work with, and I'm happy to have her on the podcast. So welcome, Lauren.
1: Thanks, Paul. It's nice to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining. I know that you are uh, settled out West, but you spent a little bit of time here in Atlanta and um, worked with me while I was, um, you know, uh, helping to transform uh, Assurance. So it was a lot of fun. So thanks for joining us. So I wanted to just, you know, get your take today on just some of the things you've done, what you've worked on and how you've moved into kind of an agile environment. So maybe we start start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. Um, I would consider my journey uh to the career that I've had to be very non-traditional. Uh, I say that with a lot of excitement because there are very many predictable things that people can do in life. you know, you go to school, you go to college, you pick your bat major, you mm-hmm. follow your major, you try and advance yourself through your career, up your major. And mine wasn't quite, as clean as that, I would yeah. say, so um, I started working at Mars, the candy company, uh, when I was twenty years old.
0: Well, I'm gonna stop you there because I want to actually go back to say high school, even to figure oh, out sort high of what school. yeah, so where did you where did you grow up? what part of the country?
1: so I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, from a little town in northern New Jersey called Sparta, New Jersey. Um, I was fortunate enough um, to be given a Catholic education an education that I actually paid for myself wow! um, and worked every weekend so that I could pay the tuition at my school. And this was going back quite a few years, but at that time it was still very expensive to go to school there. Um, I can tell you unequivocally that my four years in high school, uh, Pope John, the 23rd high school in Sparta, New Jersey was by far the very best thing that ever happened to me in my life um, up into my educational perspective because um, we were a small school. Everybody knew each other. Our principal happened to be the Monsignor, the father, um, and he knew every student which was really kind of making my upbringing like I was at home. So it was more um, um, strict. It was strict, but it was compassionate. And um, I graduated eighth in my class of 110 students. So my high school class was 110 students.
0: Wow. And what were some? What were some? Uh, some of your favorite subjects or things that you were good at?
1: Um, well, I was very good, and I think this is where I got my competitive nature. I was very good in sports. Okay, I was one of uh, the third child of six children, <laughs> and uh-huh. um, I was—I would have to say—I was the only athletic one. In the family. So I was a four-year varsity basketball and softball and track um, uh, player at my school. I got letters, you know, my varsity letters. Um, and the competitive nature in a small school, playing other Catholic schools and also other schools in my um, county um, really helped me come out of a shell and learn all about teamwork. Mm -hmm. And as you know, that has like filled me up for the rest of my career because I'm all about teamwork, teamwork. Yeah,
0: well, sports really help to kind of drive those lessons home, you know, in terms of working together for a common goal. Um, You know, achieving victory is great, but sometimes you learn a lot about yourself and your team through losses and overcoming those. So yeah, those are great lessons to be able to carry into the workforce. Yeah.
1: And I really loved the competitive teams that we played. I didn't loathe them and despise them and want to mm-hmm. beat them all the time. It was more like, I want to better myself. Therefore I want to play the better teams because it can only make me better.
0: Right. <laughs> and yeah. um,
1: Even in my high school, I had a lot of, competitors that were actually my friends Mm -hmm. we would exchange you know this is before it was cool to exchange jerseys with your uh, competitors we were exchanging jerseys um in high school this was you know I graduated high school in 1977 so it was a long time ago yeah but my school and my upbringing and my values were established during that time period, and that's what really has given me the, the basis for everything that I do.
0: Wow, that's great. So yeah. so um, getting ready to, to graduate high school, were you thinking about college or you said it was kind of a non-traditional route? Did you, you, you said you paid for your school, so I'm sure you had a job during those times too. So what was, uh, what was your thinking as you were coming out of high school?
1: Yeah, so I really wanted to go to college. Um, but my situation in my family was I was one of six children and um, my mom and dad were were divorced. Mm-hmm. So my mom, my mom was working three jobs to put food in our household. And um, all of us that could work were working at the time. So it was very difficult for me to even think about going to college. I Thought I could go away and it was only down to South Jersey. So it wasn't as far. It was more of a enough of a drive that I needed to stay there versus coming home. But it became very difficult um, to be at school and having younger siblings. So um, I came back home Mm -hmm. um, and tried a more non-traditional route.
0: Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what that entailed.
1: So um, when I got home, I knew that I wanted to help so that my, my siblings weren't struggling as much either. So I got a job and um, it happened to be at M&M Mars, the candy company. Mm-hmm. And I was I was working in the plant. So I was actually manufacturing the candy. Which was cool because in our in the plant where I worked, we were making um, plain and peanut M Ms. Okay, which was which was awesome. So for a young girl, and you have access to chocolate things, that was pretty cool. And I recognized very quickly, though, um, that just working and not going to school was going to hurt me in later life so I found a way and I was very fortunate enough to know and to be in a world-class organization that offered at that time um, some compensation for going to school okay so I basically worked in the plant and they did swing shift work so it would be a week of days a week of midnights a week of afternoons which completely messes your body up oh yeah um but i managed to sign up for um school and took on some night classes um at the local community college so in in new jersey in in Hackettstown, New Jersey, which is where M&M's headquarters was, there was a local Methodist um, school that was actually an accredited school called uh, Centenary College. Hmm. And Centenary College offered night schooling and had special considerations, if you will, that they made for people at M&M's because it was the largest employer in the town of 9,000 people <laughs> um, to help them do non-traditional classes to get um, uh, degrees.
0: Okay. So well, that's so, a great opportunity. So you're able to kind of leverage that. You had a little bit of help from financial help from your employer. Um, yep. The swing shifts I know were a grind because I know people at Delta, that would do that and they would just completely mess you up. So, I can't imagine trying to go to school and learn, take tests and uh, go through that. That must have been a grind for you.
1: It was. And oh, by the way, at the time that I was now enrolled in school and fully going to school and fully working, I was also a single mom. So I had my son. And um, so my mom and my family became very important to me because my mom watched my son um, every afternoon shift when I was working. And she also watched him when I was trying to study. So I lived close to my mom. I didn't live with my mom, but, um, so it was, it was wow. quite a struggle, but that was building, uh, my character. And it was also building, uh, the relationship that I had and the importance that I put on my family. hmm who were key to every success that I've ever had. but
0: <laughs> So yeah. it was
1: very non-traditional, very non-traditional in that respect. It took me eight years to get my degree. That's commitment. I got, commitment. A, I got a, um, a bachelor's degree in business with a concentration in management. No IT career. I had no. I had zero <laughs> zero IT in there.
0: Yeah, well, you know, back in that day, IT was very different than what it is now. I think the, you know, the, what we do in the internet age um, is so much more pervasive than, you know, what the early, set or late 70s, early 80s was in terms of, you know, mainframes and cluster computers and you know, green screens and not everybody had one at their desk, and you'd have mobile devices and you couldn't work from home. Right. There's so many different things around it, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I had to go to the library to do all my research. There was no World Wide Web that was offering, you know, at that time. It was just very barely establishing. So I spent a lot of significant time at the library.
0: Yeah. So once you got your degree, um, did that open up some doors for you at MMRs?
1: It did, actually. Um, I was in a position in the office at the time. So I, I transitioned in between uh, right when I was getting ready to graduate. The company recognized my achievements and allowed me to move into an office into our national headquarters for Mars um, and take on a, a logistics role where I was, you know, using my degree. So Mm -hmm. I used my business degree in this logistics role, but I was quickly becoming intrigued and quickly becoming one of the experts in some of the software they were using to run the logistics area. And the curiosity in me um, allowed me to become very focused on understanding how this software was working, understanding the power behind the software, understanding all that the software was going to be able to allow me to do. And it catapulted me for mostly because I was curious about how IT works because there's this big thing called IT and I had no Mm -hmm. idea. And, My company allowed me because I had a great business knowledge to bridge the business knowledge into the IT area within the company. And Mm -hmm. I was actually, you know, a pretty good fit right as I got my degree in business from Centenary Mm -hmm. to go over into this IT role and build software for things that I knew the business needed and why they needed it. And I helped educate the IT folks. So I was more like a bridge.
0: So tell me about like the, you know, in a manufacturing environment, the software that you're talking about is not, it's not typical UI, right? It's, it's either, you know, running the plant or it's the communication and the back office pieces, or tell me what the software actually did.
1: Yeah, so the software that I was using was actually a um, very early version of some um, software that pulled information out of a data warehouse. Okay. So we were we were trying to calculate and computate the number of Snickers bars that were sold in the United States of America. And this software was actually allowing me to do that. So I started building some pretty meaningful um, reports for our overall business, including the president of our chocolate division, the division, um, to help them understand sales.
0: So this is almost like supply chain software.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it was actually eventually was bought by SAP, and it's called Business Objects. I became the expert in the entire company. Oh wow! Of this software and it allowed me. It opened up many doors for me. So thinking about one small thing and not knowing very much about IT, it opened a huge door for me. Huge door. To allow me, because of my willingness to do things outside of my normal job and become expert or become understood in something else, it allowed me to transfer that knowledge via training, if you will, to others. And people would tap me on the shoulder and say, Lauren, you're really good with teaching people things. Maybe you should consider that. So Mars also had a mentor program, okay? which is by far the smartest thing that any company can do is have a mentor program.
0: Yeah, for sure. It gives you, you know, it tells you a lot about the company when they're willing to invest in their people and wanting to make sure that the knowledge gets handed down to newer people and trying to build that best practices and certainly some of the things we were trying to do.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I got the opportunity to build, without any previous knowledge, to build training material, training manuals, yeah. and teach Mars associates all over the world how to use this tool. It was amazing. Amazing.
0: What a great experience. Yeah. So there were plants around the world that she would go to and help um, train Um, the the people that were located there?
1: Yep. I went to London. I went to France. I was in Europe.
0: Did you go to Asia?
1: I did go to some of the, I went to Singapore. And while being there there and training them um, to use this software, which was a Mars standard software at the time, Mm -hmm. um, it also opened up doors to allow me to Um, listen to their ideas and help them build data marts with data specifically for them in their particular market. Mm -hmm. So I not only did this for Mars, the candy company, Mars owns Uncle Ben's rice. So they had a food division and a pet food division. And I that's how I landed in California, I went to their offices where they were not as proficient with any of the tools and I built I helped them build similar reporting structures. So it was amazing. It was yeah. an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. Really
0: well, now amazing. I know how you built the foundation for uh, what you were doing when we worked together. So you, I yes. mean, again, 30 year career at Mars, which is amazing. And you had. Kind of the front end of you know the data warehouse analytics. I, I mean, I've used business objects in, in several companies. I know how powerful the reporting structure is. And be able to collect data and make sense out of all of the information that's been collected, and be able to you know create dashboards and reports and have uh, people understand you know where the the situation is with the various operating groups. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So when you moved to California, did you um, were you just expanding your role or was it a new opportunity? How did they present that to you?
1: Um, they presented it as an opportunity to expand my role. So I knew um, I was pretty good with using the software. I knew I was very comfortable in the world of Mars chocolate because I understood that business. I had been in that business for 20 years. And mm-hmm. they said, hey, you know, we really would like our other divisions to come up to speed on this type of reporting. Would you be interested? I said, where would the opportunity be? They said, California. I said, wait, twist my arm. OK, I'm going.
0: <laughs> so it really wasn't a big uh, struggle for you to move from the East Coast to the West Coast?
1: It was Not theoretically. However, I was so excited about going and taking on this opportunity. It, it didn't dawn on me until I was actually there that I completely left my family, my friend, my network everything and i moved somewhere where i knew absolutely zero nobody yeah (laughs) i had to figure out how to kind of start again so one of the things that as you hear these patterns and how i worked before to me people are the greatest asset anyone has in their repertoire and I knew that if I built up some rapport with some people uh, that I would be able to fit in and build upon that. And you know, when you think about Agile and you think about the world of Agile and, and coaching and things like that, Agile is all about the people. It is a very simple concept to understand. You have people, they do work, they deliver things, they reflect on it. They figure out how to get themselves better, and they move on. And I, you know, I kind of—that was the basis for me kind of getting more agile. Was doing that and going out to a place where I knew no one.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just to pick up and move like that is, um, you know, even staying within the same company, it is different ways people operate, different uh, motivations. I mean, you know the. The weather and the scenery will change, and that's obviously really neat. But to, to start over, and I don't know what year it was, but I'm I'm assuming it was before the plethora of social media and LinkedIn and being able to network easily oh, yeah. and you know connect to people. How did you um how did you get started in the world of agile? Were you starting to do that at Mars, or was it uh, after you left there?
1: Yeah, so um, I started at Mars with doing that. So um, probably. Six years, so 24 years into my career, um, Mars decided that they were going to implement SAP, which is an end-to-end huge supply, financial, manufacturing, vendor system. It's probably the largest end-to-end system that has ever been Made to help businesses. And we were going to be um, implementing that. And they were implementing it in some of the smaller Mars companies around the world to get experience because transitioning the chocolate division, which was 56% of their entire business at the time was a huge undertaking. There were, I remember some of the statistics, there were 275 disparate systems that they were pulling or releasing or removing or or retiring and implementing SAP. So we all had to get on board, figure out how to work very efficiently and quickly. Uh, to get things done. So we were the early adopters of kind of agile methodology, even though it wasn't called that at the time. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was not waterfall development. So waterfall development has very clear start and stop sections. And it was not that.
0: Did you work with um, consultants or did you guys just sort of figure out what could work for you to implement this? Did sap come in with a platform was just kind of learning as you go starting with some of those smaller areas of the company
1: so we fortunately were smart enough as an it organization so their it division at the time i was working at mars was the only not-for-profit division inside of mars we had our own it people all over the world and the only thing we worked on was mars stuff right so mm-hmm. um, we did have some SAP consultants, but one of the unique things that the governing body came together and recognized was we want somebody to get expertise over here. So if they were implementing uh, SAP in Italy, some of the United States people that were going to be gearing up for this um implementation went and did the Italian, the Italy implementation and came back with that knowledge, depart you know, departed that knowledge on everyone. Lots of people though, kind of, we started just by researching and doing video calls with our counterparts in the countries that we're currently implementing. So I had, I was part of a global organization for a long time and we shared information amongst our divisions. So I had a counterpart that was a project expert for data warehousing in france that implemented before me or right before me and he and i would talk and he would explain to me how things were working what they were doing hey watch these things this is a gotcha we had uh, global meetings um to educate each other so it was more internal yes
0: yeah, so, i mean you and i know the value of agile and what that does to make teams more effective and product owners, were you starting to see some of those benefits as you started to work through this implementation compared to previous waterfall projects you'd worked on?
1: Oh, absolutely. There was a lot more collaboration. You know, I started recognizing very early on that the collaboration part is what got us through this transition. It was a huge transition to get Mars on North America onto SAP. 275 systems that independently were built or homegrown, you name it. And we had to translate that into SAP. It was huge. I think there were 450, that included the business people, 450 people on this implementation. Wow. So
0: very <laughs> That's hard. That's insane. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a, that's a massive undertaking for sure. Yep. Did, um, how long did you uh, stay with Mars after that implementation?
1: Um, I was there to support uh, the business for probably three years after that. Okay. And that brought me to my 30th year there and they wanted to move me back to New Jersey. And I said, no. <laughs> so we agreed that I would retire and, I'm glad I did because that was really a very valuable um, experience for me to understand the power of collaboration and people and to read more and educate myself more and get more under my belt concerning Agile and how Agile works.
0: So as you're, as you're thinking of leaving Mars, what were you thinking about your next step? Sounds like you wanted to stay in California. Uh, were you weighing some different options or were there some other things you wanted to do?
1: I literally, because of the hard work that you have to put into making a program successful, um, i put in a lot of hours, a lot of days and skipped vacations for a couple of three or four years. And I said, no, I need some downtime. So I literally took one month and did absolutely nothing. <laughs> I thought I was retired. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm young. I have so much to offer. I would really love to be in a position to teach this knowledge, impart this knowledge on others and see how successful they could build upon it themselves. Because I was part of a very successful implementation of this huge software and, and i rewrote all of every sales report and every major business report for the presidents of the
0: organizations mm-hmm. <laughs> using using sap so so you were trying to maybe leverage what you what you learned there um and apply it to other companies yes okay
1: so I I happened upon a couple of, you know, opportunities for small places where I could knowingly make a difference and I just leveraged my knowledge um, in the company that I was working at um, as a contractor before working at Assurant, we turned their organization, their IT organization from Waterfall into Agile. So it was like a a whole startup. It was awesome because, you know, here you have a big blob of clay that you get to mold, right? Yeah. And starting with the clay that you can mold, you take little pieces of it and you mold it to make it self-sustaining and it just starts growing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Um, I went through that and learned a lot about um, growing Agile.
0: And probably saw the success of the teams there and the positive impacts that it made for both uh, the team, the development team, as well as um, your stakeholders, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, when I was at this other company um, as the contractor the stakeholders really, really rolled up their sleeves and were standing right alongside of us and encouraging us all through this process when we went through this transition. And they learned so much. They were were so astounded at the success that you can have by sticking to something, building up the people on the program, and um, it became very
0: successful quickly awesome. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so do you have any sort of formal training at that point or was it really just years of um, honing your skills and seeing how teams adapt to this new way of uh, managing and delivering software
1: yeah I really I really did not have a lot of training in um, agile
0: so yeah let's um maybe talk about uh, I guess getting to Assurant and sort of what your what your role was brought into.
1: Yeah, so I was hired as a consultant into assurance um, as a scrum master, and uh, I said sure because I still have a have have a lot to um, help teams do, and so they brought me in as a scrum master of. Um, one domain team, which quickly became two domain teams. And I had a team that was all brand new, brand new in the organization, brand new in the program, brand new. And I had one team that was in the program since its inception and they seemed to have the magic it factor, if you will. And they... A 100% embraced my way of sharing with them Agile, and um, they grew into what I would consider a highly performing, self-organized team. They didn't need a lot of authoritarian comment around them. They understood what their role was. They understood what was required of them. They understood a lot about the system that they were building software for, and they just went to town and they really became very successful. It was a very good, positive. Thing. And, you know, when teams become successful and they're working on software development, you know, they care a lot about the product that they're putting out there. So there was very little bugs in the code that they delivered. They all jumped on any problems that were there and they did like a follow the sun so if, if the problem was we had an you know a global team and they're on different time zones if the problem was initiated or found in you know the time zone for pacific coast at the end of the day they would call up their counterpart in uh, India and hand off the work with a collaboration and then in the morning, when we came back in the morning, everything was resolved. It was quite an amazing thing.
0: It was almost a twenty-four hour operation, even though people weren't working twenty-four hours, but the team was. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. And uh, so I really felt strongly about some of the things that I learned from the team on how they tackled problems, how they conducted themselves. And I knew that was a secret weapon, if you will, for a program. And I said, let me try and implement this with my brand new team, this completely new team. And I started, you know, coaching them on things that I had witnessed on my other team. And miraculously, they also were picking up on it. and They loved working with one another.
0: So tell me when you're onboarding a new team member or creating a new team from scratch that hasn't done this before, what are some steps that you do to try and get the team aligned and understanding, you know, what agile principles are, how the team should operate and how you get from, you know, kind of that storming, you know, framework into a high performing uh, team?
1: Well, um, you know, one of the things... One of the things that differentiates some working teams from others is there's no hierarchy whatsoever. Everyone is on the same page. Everyone. I am not an authoritative person. I am part of the team. Our product owner is part of the team. And When we all worked together and started collaborating and communicating, communicating like your life depended on it, even if you had to have some news that wasn't good news, but it was still, you needed to share it with the team, everyone was there to support the effort. So getting someone new on board was, you needed the time to do that. And everyone helped do that. And everyone kind of became the mentor of the person that was coming on the team to share with them things that, tools that they used or ways that we conduct meetings or everyone shared in running a meeting making them feel like they were just as important of a contributor as others Mm -hmm. at the end of the sprint which we have it's called the sprint and it's 10 to 15 days depending on what cycle you are on for Agile Um, we really took to sharing our information, our observations, our comments, our criticisms, and not destructive criticisms, but criticisms of how things were working and what one or two things can we try to make things different. And it always seemed to Again, open up a good, healthy conversation that the team would have on resolving roadblocks. And that included bringing someone new on board, right? Someone new on board is not some one person's responsibility to um, assimilate into the environment. It's the whole team because we're playing, working, acting like a team. And it's not individuals on the team. It's a team. So, if yeah. somebody needed some help because their computer was crashing, somebody would say, Hey, I know how to fix that. I'll get offline with you in five minutes and we'll fix it. And it was amazing. But you see things that have been roadblocks for weeks get fixed in seconds when someone would open their mouth and say, Oh, I know how to fix that.
0: Yeah, kind of swarm around a problem, solve it quickly, and then move on, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a building mm-hmm. that level of trust with everyone. Yep. You know, I may not have very positive things that I have observed in the last 10 days or 15 days, but I'm going to start off every discussion I have with giving you five things I've observed that are really positive about what you guys did. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, I've observed this one thing that may not have been so good, but how can we resolve this and fix it or change it or try something new? You know, Agile all about trial, trial and error.
0: Yeah. Are there, so as you've added new folks to the team? Because I'm thinking, you know, for somebody coming out of school or that's been, you know, fairly new in the software development uh, industries, um, are there things that they um, can be aware of or things you look for when you're adding people to the teams that you've been a part of?
1: Well, I've always, I've always kind of looked at the team as though they were all my brothers and sisters.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I know how important it was for me to have my brothers and sisters around when I was growing up. So I try to have the key, I think one of the keys of having successful agile teams is everyone has a personal relationship with each other and it's not a prying relationship it's like you have two children and they're in grade school how are they doing what is new with them you know it's like engaging in things you would ask as a family
0: yeah <laughs> and, connect with them I think, right
1: i think that has helped me a lot and it has helped all of the teams is build that trust like I tell them all they're like my family and I trust them like my brothers and sisters. So it's kind of helping people like that. You know, there's a school of thought that says there should be an authoritarian versus, a, you know, a subservient new person coming in. And and I try not not to ever do that because I have in my own career hired people into To my organization at Mars, you know, I did a lot of hiring too because there were software people needed all over the place. And those people that have been hired in, especially like coming off of an internship within the company, hiring them in have become vice presidents of the organization. So they have really expanded their careers and gotten to levels way above me. But that doesn't matter. I still have had a personal relationship with them. And that's how they, chose to treat me as well so it's about your relationships
0: yeah yeah well i think without trust you know the team certainly breaks down and you can't address problems safely you know if people are nervous about you know looking bad or bringing bad news. I mean, you know, right. back in the project management days where you had those traffic lights, you know, and things would go from green to red and there weren't, there wasn't a lot of middle ground, which meant that you weren't getting the right information at the right time. And so I think uh, trust is certainly key. And I think um, leaning on each other, even if, you know, teams don't always get along, but if they can respect each other and value their contribution to the team, then uh, that's certainly a sign of a healthy organization.
1: Right. And that everyone that you look at that's on your team, if you're, if you're talking about an agile environment, everybody, every single person is there because they have had, they have something of value to add to this program. It's finding mm-hmm. that thing that their value, you know, where that value is. Like there could be somebody on your team that as silly as it sounds might be a, a Windows Expert, And we're having, you know, all of these Zoom meetings and this, that, and everything else. And their expertise could help save hundreds of hours of frustration if something isn't working in our team environment and they know how to fix it like in five seconds. Has nothing to do with the program that Mm -hmm. they're working on. And it's those things that you have to find. You know, I had several people that other people in an organization would say, I don't know how you can stand working with that person. They're so like negative or argumentative all the time i said if we didn't have someone challenging the norm every single time we opened our mouths we'd be in the world hurt Mm -hmm. their value is to challenge that so that we can think outside the box outside ourselves outside of what we would normally develop software with and say well maybe there is a better maybe we should try it that way because it's all about trial and error
0: yeah. And I think where, you know, where that context comes from, I think then people can understand it in a positive way, instead of it being, you know, an attack or something negative. It's, it's like, it's not, it's not a personal thing. It's about we're trying to get better at what we're yeah. building and yeah. these are ways we can do it. Yep. Well, so if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? You definitely had a non-traditional path to where you got to um, any advice that you've learned over the years that maybe a younger a younger version of you would Uh, be able to leverage?
1: I think for me, I would have wished that I would have had more confidence in myself as a woman in a traditionally man's world of IT at the time. There were very few women Mm -hmm. um, that were in the roles. Um, I wish that I had had more confidence to speak up more and stand my ground. I had early in my career, earlier in my career, kind of, taken the back seat, if you will, because they couldn't possibly value my opinions because I was not traditional IT. I was more through the business, Mm -hmm. learning the IT. And I think that... people should have the confidence that they and feel the feel the trust among others that their opinions are valued right wrong indifferent chosen or not chosen that it's part of the process to getting great software if you will in i in agile and software that we develop everyone's opinion matters everyone's
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: you should value them.
0: That's great advice. I think you're right. I mean, you know, starting early on, it definitely was a man's world and it was, I think, hard for women to be heard or respected. Um, and you definitely had to sort of read the audience a little bit and determine where to push and where to hold back a little bit. I think things have gotten better, but they're certainly not where they need to be for everyone to feel comfortable with everybody speaking up and building that trust. But, uh, Yeah, I think that's um, those are some really valuable lessons for the the younger audience to hear.
1: Yeah, I still even though I'm retired as of July one, I still think there's still not I I shouldn't just just retire. I should still try (laughs) to do something that encourages people. I I mean, I do some philanthropic things, but Mm -hmm. I still want to do some volunteering of, if you will, maybe to help mentor
0: yeah, well, you're a natural teacher. I think that you uh, you enjoy it. Um, I think that you are patient. You know, you definitely don't mind. You know, repetitive questions and you know probing. You know, for certain. You know, places where people get stuck and how do I do this? And you're you've always been really good at kind of working with people as long as as long as you're seeing some interest. I don't think I've ever really seen you get frustrated with, um, you know, that quote unquote dumb question. So I think you've definitely got a lot to offer and, you know, it's probably good for you to have a little bit of a break. I know you're doing some, some uh, house um, repair and, and um, construction and some of those things that I think have been kind of been put on the side. So I'm I'm happy for you, but I can definitely see you getting back into a mentoring situation or even some other type of a, you know, low-key consulting, but doing something to help people get better.
1: Yeah. I still have it in me. I'm still a little feisty.
0: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, <laughs> some things have not changed, Lauren. So I've always respected you and have enjoyed working with you. And I appreciate you taking the time just to talk through some of your, your interesting career highlights and, and talking more about how you got started with Agile and what that team concept looks like to you. So thanks so much for your time today.
1: You're welcome.